The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. So Kirsten Nielsen, Homeland Security uh, head. She is the Secretary of Homeland Security. She's out. Trump blamed her for the rise in migrants entering the United States illegally. That's what the New York Times says. Of course, the New York Times, Washington Post, all of these media outlets, if you think you can trust them even a shred, you got to throw that idea out the window. Kirsten Nielsen, the Homeland Security Secretary, left her position ending a tumultuous tenure in charge of the border security agency that had at times made her the target of President Trump's criticism. The move comes just two days after Mr. Trump, who has repeatedly expressed anger at a rise in migrants in the southwestern border, withdrew his nominee to run immigration and customs enforcement because he wanted the agency to go in a tougher direction. The president said in a tweet that Kevin McAleen, the commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, will take over as acting replacement for Ms. Nielsen, who took over the agency in late 2017. She was long expected to be fired by Trump uh, by his disaffection, for, which was growing over the increase of migrants illegally entering the United States at the southwestern border. So one of the things that we're running into is we're going to have the left praising this lady like it's going out of style. Because you know what? If you've ever wondered why distrust for the media is at an all-time high, if you've ever wondered what happens when you have been peddling complete, utter speculation and hearsay and bullcrap for two long years, two straight years, you have wrung the towel dry on Russian collusion on the Mueller report. What happens when the report comes back and comes up empty? What happens when suddenly all those people that tuned in to your stupid shows like Reliable Sources and Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon and Joe Scarborough and all those things, what happens when the one thing you centered your entire existence on comes up empty? Well, then your ratings come up empty and everybody realizes that you're a fraud. So then when that dust settles and we don't have the pace that we once had in the news cycle where there's something outraging half of America, there's something that's pissing off this portion of the of the public and there's you have to then go back and make up a story. You have to go fabricate something. You know, how about this? How about you go back and you get a video clip of Donald Trump back in 2018. I mean, that's what they did. Why was this video clip reanimated over the weekend? Because the stupidity of the mainstream media was to dredge up this clip from 2018, get it back into motion, circulate it, reignite hatred towards the president, and now they're stepping on the rakes all over again. The same rakes that they stepped on the first time. So what happens was, 
So we have this guy, Mark Elliott. He replays this video and says, Trump on people asking for asylum. These aren't people, they're animals. And they take this little clip and then they play it just the snippet, 47 seconds. People coming into the country are trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them. But we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them. We release them. We get them again. We bring them out. It's crazy. The dumbest laws, as I said before, the dumbest laws on immigration in the world. So we're going to take care of it, Mark. We'll get it done. We're going to ask that man right there because that man can do it. Right now, he's the most important man in the room. Kevin can do it. It's Kevin. Without the question added in, you're kind of left to go, what is he talking about? Obviously, though, he's not talking about people who actually are going through the process of you know, taking their family through Ellis Island. Now, let's listen to the clip with the actual question, and you get the full context of what the media decided to regurgitate from 2018. Thank you. Why would this be an MS-13 gang member I know about? If they don't reach a certain threshold, I cannot tell ICE about them. We have people coming into the country trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them. But we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. That clip right there where they took a portion of it and tried to make Trump as this guy who thinks just immigrants, people coming to the, Ameri- to the country, coming to America, are animals. But of course he's talking about MS-13. He's talking about the border, but then every politician and news organization and newsy journalist, whatever the heck you want to throw at it, they all chime in. Kirsten Gillibrand, whose dad uh, has a close business relationship with a sex cult, she says racist language like this has led to violence throughout the world's history. No human being is an animal. We have to do better than this. Congressman T.J. Cox, immigrants aren't animals, children aren't animals, and they do not deserve to be locked up in cages separated from their families. Jonathan Landay, the devaluation of people as human beings is a tool that has been used by despots throughout history to justify genocide and crimes against humanity. I witnessed it myself in the Balkans. Zach Hunt, if you support or in any way condone this sort of rhetoric, we don't have a difference in opinion. We have a difference in morality. Okay, so it's morality. Of course, Oliver Darcy, who once worked at The Blaze and now is a CNN hack, he says, this is an old clip. In context, it appears Trump at the time was actually likely referring to MS-13 <laughs> gangs. Exactly. Yashar Ali, who he's been on both sides. I give that guy a little bit of clout. He, said, he got it right on this. Now that guests on cable news networks and presidential candidates are referring to these remarks as new, I think it's important to point out that they were made in May 2018, not yesterday. Also, as Snopes pointed out, Trump was referring to an MS-13 gang member. So, out of the blue, a video gets posted, the internet goes insane, 
Yvette Clark says, this is appalling. This is cruel. This is dehumanizing. This is racist. This is un-American. This is Donald Trump. Sean Caston, we are long past the point where the GOP must call out for what this is. These are people. The model behavior you'd expect from others or someone else to contribute to the demise of civil society. There is no choice. And that conversation cannot be bipartisan. Joy Reid, asylum seekers aren't people. They... They are animals. This is particularly frightening language coming out of the person vested with the power of the presidential office. John Marshall, this is how people talk when they're ready to kill people. And and the interesting thing, I love what Steve Miller said. He said, Trump actually accidentally got members of the Slack channel bubble media and 2020 Democrat candidates defending MS-13 again after doing it almost a year ago. With the exact same clip. Now, what he means is Slack is an app. It's an app that a lot of workforce individuals use. And apparently the news media congregates on Slack. And so this is how they push narratives around. And this is how they get everybody on the same page. And they share this crap back and forth. And next thing you know, it shows up on your Twitter feed. These media whores, they want to dredge up and reanimate this video clip from 2018 and act as though these heinous, barbaric, brutal stories don't exist. I mean, they're not coming across the border, knocking on our door and asking for sugar. All right. I mean, hell, the media might start defending Hamas again. Remember that? They did that right after this clip last time when Hamas was attacking Israel. The lack of self-awareness and stupidity shows they have one goal in mind. It's not to report or deliver the news or even opinion. It's activist media. Dan Rather posted this. I am aware that comments of the president's liking people to animal, they were made a while back in the context of gang members in the United States. I still believe the words are wrong and part of a larger ongoing effort to create division over... Complicated issue of immigration. Yeah. Want to talk about division? An ongoing effort to create division would be to dredge up a video clip from May of 2018, take it out of context, and act as though it's breaking news. As you just did. Slow news weekend, huh? There's a nice, interesting study behind these, uh, those initially enraged and engaged in these outrage responses. There was a lot of secondary troll Twitter accounts, some of them even blue check marks that most likely were duplicate accounts from other journalists. You know, some of these people are not who you think that they are. But of course, they have to rerun this entire thing. And then we as people, tired of the narratives, we have to debunk it with real stories. We have to try to show the evils of what we're actually dealing with across the border. Anna Navarro, she put up, this is journalist Tiffany Roberts comforting a small boy on the border. He was shot in the throat by Ortega's thugs in Nicaragua. This little boy is seeking asylum in the United States. His name is William. Trump calls him an animal. And there's this touching little picture of this little, this as the left would call him, brown kid being consoled by this, by this Jehornalist. Well, you know... You know who supported Ortega, the Sandinistas, and Nicaraguan's government? That would be Bernie Sanders. It's amazing. David Zerwick says Trump 
drives the press to exhaustion with all the fact checking they have to do. Oh my God, all the work. He says something that's really offensive about immigrants and then Tucker Carlson says immigration makes us a dirtier country or whatever the exact quote that he gave there was. That is really destructive to American life. We have to denounce it, but every time we do that, every time we chase it down, he is setting the agenda for what we cover. That is a really tough dilemma, and none of us, I don't think any of us have figured that out yet. The other thing, Brian, is he drives us to exhaustion. If we quit fact-checking him, if we accept this, he wins. That's the way dictators win. They drive the free press almost to exhaustion with this. You've been on hiatus for eight years. You gave fluff pieces like you're doing to Beto O'Rourke for the Obama administration on a regular basis. You didn't call out the fact that he's sitting in Cheerios with a girl with green lips on a YouTube channel. You didn't care that the video clip that was being peddled as the reason for the Benghazi disaster wasn't the real reason, but you went with it. You, you gave fluff pieces all day. You act like nothing bad could ever happen with the Obama administration for eight years. So you sat on hiatus, you paused your job. Now you're coming back in and you have to actually work because you don't like the president. You don't like who's who you're going up against. You don't like the fact that it wasn't your team in office. So that shows you that you are activist media. You are not a media outlet that we should actually put any sort of faith in. Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, she was the Palestinian voted into the representative freshman class with uh, Ilhan Omar and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that brilliant piece of work. Um, She says, we are creating a whole generation of children who will remember what we did. They will remember we caged them like animals, ripped them away from their parents, pumped them with drugs to make them stop crying. Now, that's a narrative that's been going around, pumping them full of drugs. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was pushing that. But do you know who was putting them in cages? The Obama administration. Why does no one remember the Obama administration putting kids in cages? Allowing the flood of migrants across the border. It's it's truly unbelievable to watch this. So basically the news media dredged up an old clip, got some of their troll accounts to start passing it around with condemnation get on the Slack channel and talk with each other and said, hey, let's run with this one. Get everybody enraged, pop in some politicians, gaslighting 101. And there was nothing in the news media this past weekend that would have, you know, really deflected that and pushed it out of the headlines. So they had to create outrage. They had to manufacture outrage. They had to embolden outrage. They had to pour gasoline on the fires of outrage just so that they can take that clip that should be long gone and then attack the president all over again as if it was a news story that's brand new. And what they don't realize is this story, when they did it the first time, blew up in their face. And then they followed it with Hamas when Hamas was attacking Israel And it blew up in their face again. And so, gladly, they decide to run down that path and do it all over again. What a bunch of idiots. (laughs) So, Kirsten Nielsen apparently got into it with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, as she's on her way to meet and propose some things, decided to 
asked for her resignation, apparently it had to do with the separation of children and how, or the separation of individuals, let's get that right, and that was caused for a rift. Now, The Hill writes, Trump's renewed push for family separations led to Nielsen's ouster. A renewed push by President Trump to resume a policy that resulted in the separations of migrant children from their families at the U.S. border with Mexico led to the resignation of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, according to NBC News. The students of college universities into thinking that because he said that animals were a part of MS-13 that, you know, we should go ahead and attack Trump over his rhetoric like this uh, idiot right here. I have family who are affiliated right now just because of where we're from and not having So like when, 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 especially when people call it MS-13 animals. They are animals. What is, I mean, what does that mean? They've lost their humanity because what, what's, what's the uh, slogan of MS-13? I don't know. That's not, that's Rape, steal, kill. That's yeah. animalistic behavior. You have lost your humanity at that point. You, have you lost human rights at that point? No, but you're an, you're an animal. And you know, by the way, they never had rights in the first place because they're illegals. We do not grant rights to foreign nationals. Human rights. I do not. I do the U.S. Charter has certain rights. The U.S. should not obey the U.N. Charter. I mean, yeah. So that's I mean, my, if, that's my if, position. If you want to turn inwards, then... Well, no, it's... De- declaring and defending your sovereignty and understanding an appropriate level of patriotic nationalism is not turning inwards. It's redefining what is the greatest republic ever to exist. Let's go back to your point. MS-13 are animals. Prove me wrong. Like, what about their behavior, their conduct, their slogan, their history is not animalistic behavior? I mean, uh, you're asking me to debate empty rhetoric. Well, they're animals. I don't know what, that, what does that mean. I told you, you lost your humanity at that point. You engage in animalistic behavior. It's an adjective to just define them as a group. So you want to, you know, also animals? ISIS, they're animals. As a group of people, if you identify them as 13, you are animals. And I, there should be no apology for describing that way. In fact, it's an insult to animals everywhere. You feel like that perspective might not make it harder to combat them by failing to facilitate some kind of understanding of your enemy? I don't want to understand MS-13. I want to jail, deport, and kill them. Mm-hmm. I have no, I have, in what order? You can't do all of them, can you? If they, if, they, if they ever engage an American citizen, they should be killed. If they engage in criminal activity, they should be apprehended and deported. And they have no place here in America. They are a gang that is focused on raping and stealing and killing. My favorite thing, if you remember back when they talked about President Trump on this original video clip, about these people being animals. My favorite story was the story where they found a guy who had committed some sort of uh, heinous act who was an illegal immigrant, and when they found out what his name was, his nickname was Animal. So yeah, he was an animal. It's amazing. But you know, the NBC News was out there saying, well, Trump's right that there is a border crisis, but he's making it worse. Trump speaks to reporters while visiting the U.S. border. His rhetoric is causing it to be worse. (laughs) It wasn't true when Trump first mused about cutting off aid to Central American countries when he said that Mexico is sending us rapists and people who bring drugs and crime. When he said he vowed to close the border, shut down the government over immigration, and announced that he would build his wall without congressional's uh, consent, but it's sure true now. 
The federal government has been overwhelmed by Central American refugees arriving by the thousands. There are two reasons for that. Trump's policies sent the signal that this may be the best last chance for a safe harbor in the United States and existing laws make handling migrants from Central America as opposed to Mexico much more complicated for the administration. They're coming in at bigger rates. And some of the things that they have done are unbelievable. How about the four dead Brentwood Long Island high school kids in one month by illegal immigrants? That's Long Island. That's not a border town. I mean, how about the 13 members accused of stabbing a 16-year-old a hundred times and then setting his body on fire? How about the Zeta cartel chopping up a six-year-old in front of her family with an axe? I don't mean to be gruesome, but you have to realize what we're dealing with here are animals. How about the illegal immigrant who stabbed and beat a mother to death in California? We have MS-13 issues here in the state of Virginia, too. So realize that this is not rhetoric. This is not an overstatement of people that are trying to come across the border. They're not all nice Charitable people, nice individuals just trying to find a new life. There is an industry. The industry even goes back to Pablo Escobar. I, I was watching a true story movie. I think it's The uh, Infiltrator with, uh, what's his name? Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. And one of the things I thought was interesting was he was a, a money launderer. So he would take the drug cartels money launder, uh, money and launder it. But he was a customs agent who was infiltrating the drug cartel. And he looked at it like all we're doing is fighting the drugs coming across. We're not getting to the head of the monster by following the money. So what he would do is he would approach these banks in Panama. The Panamanian banks were actually banks who had Middle Eastern investors. So Middle Eastern investors set up these banks in Panama. The drug money is laundered through there. Keep in mind that opioids are coming from Afghanistan. Hamas and Hezbollah are coming into Brazil. They're being taken up the Darien Gap through Panama with MS-13. Hamas and Hezbollah are training MS-13 and providing them weapons in exchange for safe passage of drugs and possibly terrorists across the border. This has been going on for years. That incident with Pablo Escobar was back in the 1980s. What about El Chapo? It's all happening continuously, and we have to keep our minds wrapped around it. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. All right, let's switch gears and talk about everybody's favorite mayor, Peter Boogadig, Boogadig, Boogadiggy, Jiggy with it, Booty Giggy, Booty Jizz, I, I don't even know. Boogadig, Boogadig, something like that. We did a whole show on him because I really didn't want to focus on some of the surface issues, some of the issues he's trying to push because he's trying to provoke a situation. And so I wanted to take his actual policies, and totally dissect them all. And a lot of people seem to like that. So 
we established Peter Buttigieg or Buttigieg, whatever, however he's going to pronounce it. He's not only going to be the left's Mike Huckabee, but of course, like I said, he is trying to provoke a response. He wants a few possible reactions in my mind. I think he wants to lure Trump to the Twitter sphere, get them all riled up, get them out there bashing them, you know, because he's going to attack Mike Pence. And so maybe Donald Trump can give him a nifty little nickname and attack him for attacking Mike Pence. But then that's the other thing. He wants Mike Pence to give some sort of a comment. He is the Adam Rippon of politics. Remember Adam Rippon? He was like, what, the silver or bronze bronze medalist for Olympic skating? He was like, if you remember, in the nominations for the Republican primaries, Fox News originally, before they became big fans of Donald Trump, They were praising Marco Rubio on his third place finish. Bronze medal, you go! That's awesome! I mean, when do you see a bronze medalist get all types of praise? When do you see a third place winner get the praise? And that's what happened with Adam Rippon. I think he was bronze, silver, something like that. Now he's got TV show after TV show. He's a panelist and a judge on one of these reality TV shows. Maybe it's a dancing show. I don't know. But... Of course, what you have to do is select a few things to solidify yourself in the career of Hollywood. And Adam Rippon did that. First, he's a homosexual. Check the box. Next, completely outspoken against Mike Pence. Hence, outspoken against the Trump administration. Check the box number two. Oh, and better yet, be an activist and pick the fight, right? Samantha Maselli, right? Alyssa Milano. That's what you want to do. If you want to solidify yourself in a career in Hollywood or network television, in some form or fashion, you might, you might get bounced around. You might get thrown into a movie as some sort of cameo and then turn around and get a judge's position on an NBC show. Whatever the case may be, your career is set. Because you attacked the Republicans, you attacked Christianity, and in doing so, you made yourself the martyr for the left. And that's kind of what we've got with Pete Buttigieg. He's attacking Mike Pence. Mike Pence hasn't said a word about him. And Mike Pence was his freaking governor. He is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. So, of course... He's qualified to be president of the United States. Why not? Pence hasn't said a word about him, but somehow he lives rent-free in Buttigieg's head. But we all know that if Pence does say something, that's going to be logged. That's going to be recorded. It's going to be placed in the quiver. It's going to be placed in the arsenal for the left for future attacks, especially when it's to attack the Trump presidency or better yet, maybe the Trump administration ends. Well, the natural assumption based on historical preferences and historical precedents is that the vice president would run. And so Mike Pence would be next in line. Let's get that information up on deck now. You know? And then he's out there slamming 
Mike Pence's Christian beliefs because he's working for the Trump administration. How very Christian of this self-proclaimed Christian. Do you think Vice President Pence would be a, a better or worse president than President Trump? Oh. Um. Do, does it have to be between Politics those? is about choices, man. You know that. I mean... I don't know. It's really strange because I used to at least believe that, that he believed in our... I've disagreed with him ferociously on these things, but I thought, well, at least he, he believes in our institutions and he's not personally corrupt. But then, um, but then how could he get on board with this presidency? How could somebody who, you know, he, his interpretation of Scripture is pretty different from mine to begin with. Okay, I, my understanding of Scripture is that it is about protecting the stranger and the prisoner and the poor person and that idea of welcome. That's, that's what I get in the gospel when, when I'm in church. And his has a lot more to do with, with sexuality and, uh, I don't know, a certain view of rectitude. But even if you buy into that, how could he allow himself to become the, the cheerleader of the porn star presidency? Is it, that he, is it that he stopped believing in Scripture when he started believing in Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know. We'll be right back. This guy teamed up with the least, I mean, by most of our measures, I think, the least Christian figure imaginable to be running for president. And of all the presidents he's going to team up with, he finds this one. Who's literally paying off a, a, a porn star to deal with an affair that These are two clips, one of them being a CNN town hall, which originally came out where he attacked Mike Pence and no one even saw that coming. They were like, uh, okay, why is he attacking Mike Pence? The other was a South by Southwest panel because that used to be for music. Back when I played music in the 90s, that's where you showcased your music as an up-and-coming band to people that you might break into the college scene and then go from there into an underground following that grows grassroots style to major label. Now it's become this crazy... I don't even know, a forum for progressivism. Even though I've heard it's run by a conservative, I don't even know. But the left, the LGBTQ community, this guy, your political Adam Rippon, Pete Buttigieg, he believes, you know, Mike Pence is this Christian who hates gay people. He wanted electroshock therapy for homosexuals. And, you know, again, some crazy talking point for the LGBTQ community. They've manufactured that, even though Mike Pence actually put out there <laughs> in response to Hobby Lobby that if a store refused service or a restaurant refused service to a homosexual couple, he wouldn't, they wouldn't dine there. He wouldn't spend his money there. But that's not enough. And by the way, how is Pete Buttigieg's community doing while he's out there on the campaign trail provoking a response? Well, Front Page has a pretty interesting article. Mayor Buttigieg runs for president while his city bleeds. On March 31st, a South Bend grandma brought her grandson to the hospital. The 11th-month-old bo uh, baby boy had been shot. His grandmother's car had also been taken fire. It was another early morning in South Bend. Around the same time, Mayor, Mayor Buttigieg was touting up a $7 million in donations from his charm offensive as his bid for the 2020 Democrat uh, nomination went underway. The national media never bothered reporting the shooting of the 11th-month-old boy. 
in the city as he was supposed to start running, but instead confined its coverage to South Bend matters to a publicity stunt, a wedding officiated by Buttigieg. The horrifying shooting of an 11-month-old boy on the millennial mayor's watch was not an unusual incident. In the last few days, even as the media gushed over Buttigieg's presidential ambitions, two Indiana University South Bend players were injured in a shooting on Notre Dame Avenue. A blind date ended in a shooting, and yet another shooting added to the bloody toll in the real South Bend. Those are quite a few shootings for a city with barely 100,000 people, but South Bend is a violent place. While Chicago is notorious for its murder rate, in 2015, Buttigieg's South Bend actually topped Chicago's 16.4 homicides per 100,000 people with a homicide rate of 16.79 per 100,000 people. Those numbers put Pete Buttigieg's city on the top of the list, top 30 murder capitals in the country of the year. In January, three shootings in one week killed two teens, left one woman paralyzed from the waist down. In one summer week, casualties included 12 and a 13-year-old boy. Last year, a man shot six people when he opened fire on 50 partygoers in a house and was sentenced to 100 years in jail. Some of these stories, particularly the recent shootings of the two baseball players, were shocked. And it shocked Indiana University. They should have been covered by national media, but instead... They chose to broadcast Buttigieg's publicity stunt officiating a pregnant woman's wedding in the hospital. And that's how it goes. His city is, is utter garbage. And what's, what's the situation? We're worried about him attacking Mike Pence. Now, Buttigieg has positioned himself to be this family values candidate. You know, because he, all because he thinks his sexuality is predetermined. And he has a true monogamous relationship with his husband. You know, he's a homosexual that's married under the same-sex marriage laws. And he's also, you know, he's doing this as a run on lukewarm Christians. He wants to play a a morality card with his marriage and sexuality. He wants to say, well, yeah, even though I'm a homosexual, I'm a Christian and believe in God. And so you should be accepting of me. As a homosexual. Oh, and by the way, I'm married. So I'm monogamous to one person and married under law. And uh, never mind the fact that most of the people in, in, the, in the Christian community and churches and what have you weren't for gay marriage in the beginning. You know, he's hoping for the move to pull in the tolerant Christians, the one who are um, bought into the acceptance and the capitulation to the cause now that it's been pushed into the mainstream. You know, they don't want to be pariahs. They don't want to be looked at as these judgmental people. So they're just going to accept whatever is being pushed to them. And it's not even that they want acceptance by everybody. They want approval. You will be made to care about their issues. And they don't want to be vilified as a pariah for not giving the green light and praise for it in the Christian community. Churchgoers in some of these churches, that's what they want to do. Because they want to bring them into the pulpit and they don't want to be judgmental. But then at a certain point, there comes a, a, a time where biblical scripture is going to have to be met with reality. But just listen to him talk about his, uh, his faith. People talk about things like marriage equality as a moral issue. 
And it is certainly a moral issue as far as I'm concerned. It's a moral issue because being married to Chaston has made me a better human being. Because it has made me more compassionate, more understanding, more self-aware, and more decent. My marriage to Chaston has made me a better man. And yes, Mr. Vice President, it has moved me closer to God. See, it moved him closer to God. So that's going to pull on the heartstrings of, you know, the socially liberal, fiscally conservative Christians, because that's what they're hoping to do. He's from flyover country. He's married. He's a millennial. He's homosexual, but he's a Christian. All playing on the stereotypes, which makes him dangerous. You know, even Satan, even the devil quoted scripture. But he goes on further. Did you work with Mike Pence? Yeah, I mean, look, it's the job of a mayor to work with anybody who can benefit the city. So Would uh, would I like him? If he's nice, I mean, if if he were here, you'd think he's a nice guy to your face, but he's also just fanatical. He, He really believes. I mean, he's written that, you know, cigarettes don't kill, and I think he seems to think the universe was created a few thousand years ago, and, and that people like me get up in the morning and decide to be gay. And the thing about it is, if that was a choice, it was a choice that was made way above my pay grade. And so what he doesn't realize is that his quarrel is with my creator. My marriage has moved me closer to God, and I wish he respected that. Now, although Mike Pence hasn't spoken of Peter Buttigieg since his announcement for his presidential run that we know of, we did find this clip of Pence saying this about Peter Buttigieg coming out back in 2015. Now, Pence was in Elkhart County this afternoon. WSBT 22's Annie Chang caught up with him. And Annie, you asked him specifically about Mayor Pete Buttigieg's public announcement that he is gay. Because, Rick, you'll remember back in March, Buttigieg openly criticized the religious freedom restoration law and even called out Governor Pence on social media, saying he was disappointed in Pence for signing the law. Opponents of RIFRA, including Buttigieg, claimed the law could be used as an excuse for businesses and employers to discriminate against gays and lesbians. Now, at the time, the mayor tried to clarify that Pence and the state capitol do not speak for South Bend. Buttigieg publicly came out yesterday in a personal essay published in the South Bend Tribune. I asked Pence what he thought of the mayor's announcement. Well, I I hold Mayor Buttigieg in the highest personal regard. We have a great working relationship, uh, and uh, I see him as a a dedicated public servant and a patriot. Again, Mike Pence's quarrel is with his creator, you know, because... God created things that he sees as an abomination in Scripture. That's not how that works. God created beings with free will, and then they pick the path that they want to go on. But, you know, his statement is even bigger than that. If you dig into some of the other statements that he wrapped that that quote around, you know, he said that Mike Pence thinks the earth was created a few thousand years ago, That's code word to skeptics. That's a dog whistle to skeptics and even atheists who use that timeline, that creationist timeline, to debunk creationism in favor of evolution. Sounds to me like Mike Pence was pretty gracious to that guy. The Bible didn't talk about dinosaurs, so the Bible must be incorrect. You know, that kind of garbage. He thinks Earth was made a few thousand years ago. He must be an idiot because he thinks it was created instead of evolved out of whatever. But for those new to the program, keep in mind, 
I don't care about his lifestyle choices. In fact, go back and listen to my full show as we did on him before. As I said, every argument completely based on his policy proclamations and how they aren't compatible with the original design of constitutional republicanism. But until attraction becomes a genetic predisposition, you know, there's always people out there, they're like, well, look, there was gay penguins. Penguins were out there. Well, you know what? Like they say, oh, well, my dog was humping another dog. Well, guess what? Your dog also eats its own crap. And I don't see that being as accepted as, as some sort of behavioral, you know, issue that should be allowed. And I'm not trying, again, to make these determinations. But they haven't been determined by science. And until attraction becomes a genetic predisposition as determined by science then they are choices available to be made, regardless of what the LGBT community says. I think of my friend that I knew years ago. It wasn't, he was a friend of a friend. He loves some big women. We would, go to, we would go to places, and we'd go to clubs and what have you, and we're hanging out. I remember one incident in particular, because we always said, somehow this guy can find the one big woman in the crowd and, and follow her around. And I remember making that joke earlier that evening as we were getting ready to pick him up and then we, we go out. And I remember us being stopped at the door and a group of women come in, three of them striking, just hot. Two of them, eh, kind of cute. All of them we looked at, he didn't even bat an eye, was unfazed. And all of a sudden the big woman comes in behind her, boom, he was following her around. It was like the tractor beam. Star Wars tractor beam. But, you know, sometimes getting your motor revved up may be a good thing. Maybe it's not. You know? A lot of people get attracted to the adrenaline rush of skydiving. Some get attracted to illegal activities. You know? Robbing banks, doing drugs, whatever. But somehow, the attraction towards a particular type of individual has to be some sort of scientific genetic thing that hasn't been determined. And if they wrap it up in the bow of love, well, then, you know, it's okay. You should be following them around. You know, if we're going to act as though homosexuality is equal to the struggle of black Americans like they try to do, well, what happens if you're attracted to someone who's black? Is that genetic? Again, I'm not trying to have this argument because the libertarian in me says those are choices that you make, and they're between you and your creator. Just don't demand me to endorse it. That doesn't mean I would excommunicate you from life for engaging in those choices. I'm not going to change my personal treatment of you in everyday activity in life and interaction just because you have some bedroom activity that I don't agree with. Just don't politically weaponize it against me. Use it to build legislation against me and infringe upon my rights. Just because you want certain things endorsed by us. You know, these are your choices. And that is what Buttigieg is doing. And that is why he's entered the race. Now, let's get further into the policy of Peter Buttigieg. You know, he's actually calling for the abolishment of the death penalty for felons. And there's a reason why the left loves felons and they love their voting rights restored. If you have no regard for the law, like they do... If you have no regard for ignoring moral boundaries like they do, 
no regard for consequences for your actions, you'll not only gravitate to the Democrats, but you'll vote like blind lemmings because basically you're already living out their worldview already. And with all the Democrats out there who hate America, Eric Holder talking about, oh, America was never really that great. Andrew Cuomo, oh, America was never really that great. And the litany of presidential candidates who have Max, uh, Marxist backgrounds, you have to wonder where they're going with all this. And whether Peter Buttigieg is a progressive or not, he'll tell you. I want to move a little bit to where you stand in the party. I want, to, I want you, you heard Joe Biden. He said, boy, the definition of progressive now seems to be changing. He says, now it's about whether you're a socialist or what's a real progressive. And I know you have, you've been somebody who's trying to push back on this whole labeling issue. But put yourself on the spectrum here. What, what, what should Democrats see in you that you what do you want democrats to see in you ideologically well i think i'm a progressive but i also think the ideological You're capitalist analysis, what's that You're sure capitalist yeah i, I think uh, look america is a capitalist society but it's got to be democratic capitalism and, and that part's really important and it's slipping away from us in other words when capitalism comes into tension with democracy which is more important to you I believe democracy is more important. And when you have capitalism capturing democracy, when you have the kind of regulatory capture where uh, powerful corporations are able to arrange the rules for their benefit, mm -hmm. um, that's not real capitalism. If you want to see what happens when you have capitalism without democracy, you can see it very clearly in Russia. It turns into crony capitalism, and that turns into oligarchy. So I know the temptation, especially for the commentariat, is to kind of align everybody as dots on a spectrum. Right. But that's not how most voters think. I mean, think of the number of voters, just mathematically, in St. Joe County, Indiana, who must have voted for Obama and Trump and Mike Pence and me. So there's a lot more to this than an ideological analysis, especially with the ideology in our country so scrambled, having a president who doesn't even have an ideology, just a style, uh, undertaking a hostile takeover of the Republican Party while the Democratic Party has only been able to explain its ideological commitments by comparing itself to the Republicans for the better part of my lifetime. I love how he gets into this democratic capitalism. What is that? Does democracy determine who receives capital, who engages in capital, and who um, can distribute capital more evenly than capitalism in general? I know he's trying to make the case of capitalism interfering with the political process, you know, but that's cronyism. That's not democratic capitalism. That's a name he's trying to create that, will, that doesn't even exist. You know, having a direct democracy leads to cronyism. Uh, you know, the direct democracy that they want, eliminating the Electoral College over a constitutional republican, uh, republican design. That's what leads to that. He said, oh, well, this is like the Russian model. They, well, the Russians moved from totalitarianism and never truly eliminated it, but they gave direct democracy, which allowed it to remain in Russia. And those who aligned with the government, who took over industries, they actually sent people in and executed high industry people and then took over their businesses. Those people that had the reins of that money that they took through government force aligned with the direct democracy leader that was put into power. That's what constitutional republicanism avoids. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to get rid of the Electoral College. And if he's anything like his father, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, his dad, professor. Hmm, he is a Marxist professor. 
This is from the Washington Examiner. Pete Buttigieg's father was a Marxist professor who lauded the Communist Manifesto. Yeah, he spoke fondly about the Communist Manifesto and dedicated a significant portion of his academic career to the work of Italian Communist uh, Party founder Antonio Gramisi, an associate of Vladimir Lenin. Joseph Buttigieg, who passed away at age 71, immigrated to the U.S. from the 70s from Malta, and in the 1980s, he joined the University of Notre Dame faculty, where he taught modern European literature and literary theory. He supported an updated version of Marxism that jettisoned some of Marx and Engels' more doctrinaire theories, though he was undoubtedly Marxist. <laughs> so, where did Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever his name is, get his ideology from? Now, his father was an advisor to Rethinking Marxism, an academic journal that published articles that seek to discuss, elaborate, or extend Marxian theory, and a member of the editorial collective Boundary 2, a journal of postmodern theory, literature, and culture. And we're dealing with postmodernism right now in the culture as being injected by the left. So, my, my point with bringing up Peter Buttigieg as much as I have is he's not a serious candidate he is there to provoke a response. And on top of that, he is pushing for things and he's trying to do it from an angle that is going to make a battering ram towards Christian conservatism. And we have to be aware of it. That's why, yes, he is a non-factor, but he has to be discussed and we have to understand him so that we know what we're dealing with. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to me on Mojo 5.0 Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Also Saturday, 10, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern and Sunday, 12 a.m. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart, TuneIn, Spreaker, Overcast, Podbean, wherever podcasts are hosted. Give us a review. Hit us up with a five star. Help us out. Get us up the charts. Also, you can donate patreon.com slash Adrian Slade show or at anchor.fm search Adrian Slade. Your financial donation would be greatly appreciated. Get the Roku streaming channel, Adrian Slade show in your Roku streaming store. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at Rants Out Loud at Adrian Slade show. Also on MeWe, Combo, Facebook, Snippy and Parlor. We'll see you guys next time.